Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll stand way back here. We'll exceed six feet. Good morning to you all. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's good to be with you. I bring greetings on behalf of your brothers and sisters throughout the Episcopal Diocese of Atlanta, that is the Episcopal Church in Middle and North Georgia. Still, 117 worshiping communities. Still, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Um, before I, I get going, uh, I just want to, to say we've been through uh, two years and heading into our third year of difficulty. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and I just want to say to you, uh, I don't know what you've learned, uh, but I can tell you what I've learned as the Bishop of this Diocese. And that is, uh, we don't always agree. Say amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> My dear friend Ken Struble is laughing under, underneath that mask. <laughs> we don't always agree. But here's what we learned in the Diocese of Atlanta. If you're going to go through it, the center holds here. The center holds here. And that's what I've learned. That uh, there's nothing like our folks when things get thick to roll up their sleeves and get it done. And so I'm immensely proud to continue to be the bishop of this diocese. And I mean that from my heart. So I want to thank Father Scott and Mother Gwen, my friend Ken Struble, uh, and Mrs. Harding. Thank you for your work here. And to the senior wardens, the vestry, etc., committee heads, I thank you very much. Now, let's get on with it, huh? <laughs> and a special hello to, to those who are, uh, are viewing at home. It's good to be with you, if only virtually. And when you're ready, we can't wait to welcome you back to the congregation here in person. Today is a bit of a mishmash in the lessons. Did you see all that? There's, there's too much to sort of get in today. We started off by singing about the, you know, the, the three wise men. Did you see all that? And then we start shifting uh, over there, and we got some baptism by water and some baptism by the Holy Spirit. By the way, the sister who just read that lesson, she, she sounded like she knows the Holy Spirit by the first name. Did you hear that in her voice? I could hear it in her voice. Sounds like she was reading about her friend. I like when people read that way. Well, let's just deal with the first piece. So that, that you know, we're in Epiphany, and, and as you know, we Episcopalians are, are good and proper about Epiphany. We know that at the manger there was Jesus and his mother and Joseph and scattered animals, but then it took the wise men and probably some wise women to get there. It took them a little while, and so we just celebrated that last week. We call that Epiphany, $6 word for the appearing. That's all it is. The appearing, so forgive me if I'm being too pedestrian, but I think there's something to remember here. The appearing, and we look back to the manger, but I'm asking you to look into your own life. When's the last time you heard from headquarters? When's the last time you've known God was real and good all by yourself? Didn't need your big mouth preacher to tell you that. When's the last time at your own address did you know that God was close and that God cared? See, that's what all this whole rigmarole is for, you know. It's just to keep that narrative before us. That's how we deal with difficulty in the real world. Is that somehow we know that we know that we know. Beyond cognition, we know down here that God is real. Real, able, good, and generous. Think about that for a minute. Real. Able. That has to do with power. Good. That has to do with the application of power. 
and then generous, overflowing. That's the God that we know. That's the God that 66 books in the Bible point to. That's our God in the Episcopal Church. That's the centerpiece of all we do. God. God we know. God who has showed up and showed out. So if you think, if you get nothing from what I've got to say, as you're driving away and you're going through your week, I want you to think about that. Whether you journal or walk the dog or whatever it is you do, just think about when's the last time that you knew that God was real, able, good, and generous all by yourself. See, the wise men are looking for a star. They're after that next manifestation of God. And so are we in 2022, aren't we? I mean, we've got a rearview mirror about where God was last. And that's just supposed to sustain us uh, as we look forward to where God is going and how we can partner with God. And you don't need me to talk about the fact that they moved on camels from Iraq uh, over to where Jesus was. You'll need all of that. But I do want you to think about, and we know about the star and we three kings and you know, you know the song, right? But I want you to think about what were they carrying as they traveled? What were they carrying as it, now, we can only hypothesize. We know that the camels were carrying them, right? And no doubt they had provision as they journeyed, seeking after the Christ child. And so I just taught a class at Emory about leading in loss, progress, and empathy. And it made me think about this Bible story uh, differently. It made me wonder, what are we carrying as we seek after Christ? The truth of the matter is, it's been difficult these last series of years, hasn't it? I mean, I was talking to Father Scott, and he was saying, boy, just after we dealt with the first wave of pandemic, and we thought we had our feet under us, boom, hit us again. And then, then, then we had an uptick, and we felt like, okay, and then the diocese, we, we, we were able to relax things and just uh, give over all the authority to the congregations where we're going to keep it, and we said, wow, okay, that was tough, but here we go. And then... Boom again. And as, as Governor Kemp has said, uh, an Episcopalian, by the way, uh, he said, did you know that? He said that, uh, yeah, he, he grew up in Emmanuel, Athens. That's not an endorsement. I just want you to know that. <laughs> People are going to tweet, the bishop is endorsing uh, Governor Kemp. I just said he was an Episcopalian, man. Take it easy. But as, as Governor Kipper said, I like to quote people when they say things. Uh, he said that we've lost lives and we've lost livelihoods. And there's a lot of grief and loss. We've been carrying a lot. We're carrying a lot. And some of us don't know where to take that, what to do with it. Some of us, if you're, if you're like me and you have my dysfunction, you know, you grew up with a stiff upper lip. Yeah? And if you had trouble yesterday, you just get up an hour earlier the next day. And then the next day, isn't that true? You just outworked the thing. That was one generation of us. That's how we learned. That was all we did, didn't it? Just stuff it in the bag and keep moving. Yeah. And that's okay. I get it. And thank God my mom and dad taught me that. Yeah, but when we find these prolonged seasons of loss, we find out that our bags that we're carrying are getting mighty heavy. Mighty heavy. Mighty heaven. So we can take a page out of the wise men's book because as they carried their load, they kept their eyes fixed on the star, and the star was pointing them to Jesus. And so I'm just saying to you, as the psalm says, and as the psalm says, carry your burdens to Jesus. 
Some of us don't draw a straight line between the stuff we're carrying and our faith in Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's no better friend. Prayer is that one place you can be your most honest self. Think about that for a second. You don't have to perform. There's no presentation necessary. You can just lay it all out. Hey, Jesus. By the way, that's how I start most of my prayers. Hey, man, this is hard. Anybody pray like that? <laughs> I mean, I'm an Episcopalian, nothing to be wrong. I know how to do the flourishes of poetry. But most of us don't talk that way to a friend, don't we? We talk straight to a friend. And I'm just inviting you, whatever you carry, uh, it's heavy, I know. You may not even be aware of what you carry, but we do have a friend who promises to help us carry the load. He didn't say he would do any magic. He didn't say he would do any microwave popcorn in our lives. But what he did say is, I'll be there with you. He did say that. I'll be with you. In it. In it. I, uh, I've been thinking a lot about Desmond Tutu lately. We lost him. 90 years old. You know, uh, you know Desmond Tutu is about this tall. I mean, he's tiny. Same as Dr. King. You know, these little tiny guys who changed the world. And I thought to myself, what does God have against tall people? <laughs> why, why does God keep using these little... No, I'm teasing. But I was thinking about him, and, and I, was, I was just... He told a story once uh, uh, about apartheid and about having faith in the midst of hardship and difficulty. And uh, the story goes that uh, there was a little Jewish boy in a concentration camp, and he was cleaning out the toilets, all the muck and everything. And his Nazi uh, uh, guard stood over him and said, Nah, boy, where's your God now? To which the little boy <laughs> impishly answered, It's right here. <laughs> right here with me in the muck. Yeah. That's the God we have in Jesus. Dressed himself up in flesh. Yeah. Left the gated community called heaven. To come among us. And to experience life. And all the emotional range that you and I experience. Life. And that's why he's Lord of all and best friend and best friend. Because there's nothing that you have to spare God from. You can give it all to him. That's why the cross is so important for us. Calvary. They lynched him in front of his mother on a garbage dump in time for church. That's what the Gospel of John says. And if God can make a Messiah out of that, then God can be trusted with our stuff. Our garbage. If I was in another place, I would tell you another word. <laughs> God can be trusted with all of that. Yeah? yeah? So, here we are. So now, we make a movement, right? We make a movement to the baptism of Jesus. Before you get to the baptism of Jesus, you get one of my favorite characters, John the Baptist. I like John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a little church boy. He grew up in the church. His mother was the head of the ECW. His father was a... Uh, head of the Brotherhood of St. Andrew. He's an Episcopalian, you know. I mean, he knew what the salad fork was. He knew what the dessert fork was. 
He knew the soup spoon from the regular spoon. I mean, he's good and proper. It's in your Bible, I promise you. I'm not making this up. I mean, I'm bringing some flourish, but I mean, it's in your Bible. Yeah? So, so John ends up standing in, in a creek. Isn't that interesting? So John ends up standing in a creek. Now, the way I hypothesize that is, is John the Baptist ends up there for one of two reasons. One, as a little boy in, we'll call it Sunday school, he heard that we're supposed to be doing that kind of stuff. And so he was being faithful to what he learned in church. That's reason number one. Reason number two is, is that he didn't see his local church being at the places where the sinners needed to hear a word of salvation, and so he went there. John the Baptist is Jesus' revival preacher. Did you know that? He's Jesus' big cousin. That's true. That's true. And Jesus, the Bible tells us, takes up John's ministry when John is beheaded and begins to talk about, you're welcome, you're redeemed, you're loved, because he heard it in John. Of course, he heard it on his mama's lap, too. Imagine the stories that Mary must have told him. Mary doesn't get nearly as much credit as she deserves. Mary was his first theologian. And in Gethsemane, Jesus echoes his mother's words, not any other man. It's fascinating, yeah? But John gets this one thing right, and it's part of our journey with God. John's whole thing is, hey, I'm doing some stuff. I got some gifts. But I am not the Messiah. Don't you love the humility of John? John later on prays, uh, I must decrease and he must increase. Now I want you to hold on to that as we work through 2022. Because it's not that we don't have self-worth, in fact, quite the opposite. But it's just we channel all that we are and all that we have, that's in the marriage vows, into Jesus. What we want to do is increase the celebrity of Jesus through us. And oftentimes without any words. That's what we want to say to this mean old world. We want to say that Jesus is trustworthy and Jesus is good. We're not beating anybody over the head with our denomination. We're just saying we see God in this 2,000-year-old Jew and that's something. And we want to bear witness in our money and in our calendars and who we welcome and all the, all the things of life. We want to do that. John gets it right. That he has to submit himself. We don't talk about that in the Episcopal Church. But this whole enterprise is about making Jesus Lord of your life. If you want to know where the end zone is, I sure hope Georgia finds the end zone, by the way. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Y'all don't mind that digression, do you? I mean, we do a hell of a job in the first two quarters, but it's the last two quarters that... I'm not praying any harm on Nick Saban. I'm just saying. <laughs> See, y'all have made me forget where I was going. <laughs> anyway, thank you. The end zone is submission. If you want to know if you're growing up, if you're growing up in the faith, ask yourself, is Jesus more Lord this year than last year? Worst thing you can say to a Christian is you ain't changed a bit. That's the worst thing you can say. And I'm talking to 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. I'm talking to all of us. Because you don't get a pass until you go to glory. John gets that right. 
that that's the journey. And I've got a less of me, more of him. Three categories. You've got to give up smallness, separateness, and superiority. I ain't got it perfected. How about you? But that's, that's the, those are the goods. Smallness, separateness, and superiority. That's the way. And John models that. And then here's the last movement. What, how's the story culminate? It culminates in the fact that Jesus gets baptized. Right? So there's something in baptism. And that's what unites us here, by the way. Not our political party, not our views on the Second Amendment, not what we think happened or didn't happen on January 6th in Washington, D.C. That's not what binds us. Those are all conversations and they all need to be had. But what is the centerpiece of our fellowship is that you and I are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That makes me your brother and that makes you my sister. Period. Settled. Settled. Done. That's the centerpiece for us. I am an American and probably so, but I'm connected to other people all over the globe because of baptism and so are you. It transcends nationalism, national identity, GDP, geography of all kinds. That's radical to think of, isn't it? That when we start thinking that way, now we're all on our way to have the mind of Christ, as St. Paul says. So Jesus gets baptized. He himself submits to baptism. And then here's this thing, right? What happens at baptism? Well, the gift comes, the Holy Spirit shows up like a bird. They said a dove, not a pigeon. There it is. Yeah? But then this amazing thing happens. The clouds break open and the voice from heaven says, You are my well-beloved, what? Son. You are my well-beloved daughter. Now I want you to think about this. In one of the Gospels, that's all Jesus has before the Spirit chases him into the wilderness and he has to confront the devil. All Jesus has is a sense of belovedness. That's all he's equipped with to deal with all the worst parts of life. Did you get it? So, so it seems like a really trite thing to say to people, oh, you're beloved. Isn't it? It's kind of like, how you doing? Fine. It's trite. Right? But what if you stood deeply in that? That I am beloved. That's my first name. I'm beloved. And what if you let that, coming from the mouth of God, begin to move around the furniture in your life? I mean, think about all the words that we describe ourselves with that are not holy, that are not constructive, that are not graceful and gracious. Think about those words. And then think about the wounds that you and I carry from other people's words that we've internalized. Think about it for a second. So today, perhaps, we can purge that. And we can align ourselves based on those words. You are God's well-beloved. And then think about what the Bible claims. That that's enough to take on even the devil himself. That I know, that I know, that I know that I made the image of God, that God loves me. I'm the apple of God's eye. That's what the Bible says. And that extends to you. And it's not because you're Miss Universe or Mr. Universe. 
It has nothing to do with your bank balance or your address or what you drive, where you went to school and who your mama is. Nothing to do with it. Your tears matter to God. The number of hair on your head matters to God. And that when this life is over, you will be reconciled to the near, dear presence of God. If I have cancer, I'm beloved. If I get fired for ineptness, I'm beloved by God. I just might need a new job. If someone struggles to love me, I'm still beloved by God. If the family is out of kilter, not working just so, I'm still beloved. You see, if my political party didn't win, I'm still beloved. You see how that goes? What would it be to let that thing have its way with you in 2022? And then here's the kicker. You know where I'm going, don't you? Here's the kicker. You're well beloved, and so is everybody else. Now we're talking about real religion now. Because some people will believe me when I say, I'm well beloved. Well, thank you, Bishop. That feels good. I can stand up a little straighter now. But now, here's the other thing about God. God never cooks a meal for one person. See, when God spreads God's belovedness all over the land, that means everybody. Everybody. The people you can't stand. The people who have hurt you. The people who refuse to see it your way. Beloved God. Absolute beloved of God. So the movement that you and I begin to make is to begin to see ourselves as God sees us and to begin to see others as God sees them. And so we wrap up by saying, well, then where do we go with all that? Because uh, that's all out here and I'm right here and how do I close the gap? Well, the gift is the spirit. The gift is the spirit. We're not alone. This is not a self-help group here. Bless the self-help group, but this is not what this is. We are the people who rely on the Holy Spirit to aid us in closing the gap between the words we pray on Sunday and how we live on Monday. Right? Or as I like to say, the, the gap between your mind and your behind. <laughs> That's what grown-up religion is, by the way, friends. It is saying, I, I recognize, hey, I recognize that there's a gap between Sunday talk and Monday living. Sometimes we can't even make it to Monday. Sometimes we mess it all up by the time we get to the parking lot. Not y'all, of course. Y'all are lovely. <laughs> but sinners like me. You have all these highfalutin ideas in here, and, it, and we believe it sincerely. And then by the time you get that text, that phone call, in the parking lot, oh, you, you done messed up all two hours worth of religion. <laughs> but the journey that we're charting with the Spirit's aid and guidance is closing the gap between who we say Jesus is on Sunday and how we live with him on Monday. That's the work. And there's no guilt and there's no shame, and there's no obligation involved. There's no condemnation, simply invitation. Invitation to a sincere, fresh start. And here's what's so good about the Holy Spirit. You ain't even got to understand our blessed word I've said today. Nothing. Nothing. All you have to do is say, Lord, I want to be more like you, but I'm struggling. Help me. 
So in 2022, we say yes again. In just a bit, in this beautiful service that Father has built, we're going to say the baptismal covenant again. And that's the way in which we say yes again. We talk about being baptized, and then we get all the bits and pieces of what baptism actually looks like. So by the gift of God, God's mercy and grace, and the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray to God that you and I will be able sincerely, perhaps more sincerely than ever before, to say yes again to Jesus Christ in 2022. Amen. Amen.